0: Church family, take your Bibles to the Book of Isaiah, chapter nine. I'm getting a brand new series this morning entitled "He Has Come for Us." We're looking at the story of the coming Messiah in the Book of Isaiah. So it's prophetic over seven hundred years before that very first Christmas. The story of the coming Messiah was. Uh, laid out for all of the world to see what Jesus would be what he would come to do what his purpose was why he came to earth he has come for us. I want to remind you this morning uh, to begin our Christmas season. As you leave the service this morning, our family uh, Christmas card is available for each one of you. I didn't hand uh, a stamp and address every single one of them, but they are available for every family. As you leave the building at the welcome desk this morning, grab one of those, and from our family to your family, uh, we want to say Merry Christmas, and we hope you'll take opportunity during the Christmas season to be uh, in live and in person in worship. I was talking to the other day, they said our kids are almost fully vaccinated. We should be back middle of December and uh, alive and in person. And we hope that you'll make every opportunity uh, this Christmas season to be in church and uh, and make it a priority. You know, when Christ left the glory and splendor of heaven, he left all the comforts of what was comfortable and took on human flesh. And endured the pain and the suffering of this world, and ultimately bore our stripes, bore our sins on his body on the cross. And I think we've got to prioritize. Uh, being in church in person, and uh, with all the things that are distracting us in our world today, we've got to make that a priority, and this Christmas season, thank you for being here, thank you for being in person, thank you for tuning in online, and if we can encourage you or pray with you uh, in any way this Christmas season, we want to do so. Make sure you pick up some of these invite cards. That neighbor, that coworker, that friend, that one that you've been praying for all year, uh, this is one Sunday that they will come to church uh, out of the entire year, they'll have an opportunity to invite that one person, uh, or maybe uh, it's a family or a coworker, neighbor, family members that are coming in town. And uh, December the 19th is our Christmas at Calvary Raleigh that morning. At 10:30, uh, and then that evening at six o'clock is our uh, candlelight Christmas service. We want you to be a part of that live nativities on stage. There's going to be cookies and cocoa and coffee, and just a great time of celebration. And we want you to be a part of that. So take uh, take advantage of these, uh, put them in people's hands over the course of the week. And on December 20th, it's expired. All right, so uh, go ahead and get those things in people's hands, and let's pray that God uses us up this Christmas season. 700 years ago, I mentioned. Before the very first Christmas, the world was was surrounded by darkness, a, a, a dark uh, sinful place and In order to really understand where Isaiah is coming from, where the prophet Isaiah, we have to go back and understand the history of the nation of Israel. And Some of you may be, my wife, she's like, I hated history. That was my least favorite subject in high school. Uh, Some of you are like, I'm just tuning you out right now for a few moments. But understanding the history of the nation of Israel really helps us understand what the Messiah meant and coming to earth, and, and how significant it was, they were in spiritual darkness. In Genesis chapter 12, God selected uh, Abraham to be the grand patriarch of, of the nation of Israel, and make him the father of nations, and, 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 and you see, he was the father of Isaac, and uh, but he would become the father of Jacob, who had 12 sons, that would become the 12 tribes of Israel, and they would eventually settle into the promised land. The land that God had originally promised Abraham. Benjamin and Judah settled in the south around Jerusalem. The other ten tribes went to the north, and uh, they were united for many years. And then uh, when King Solomon died, uh, a rupture occurred, and the ten northern tribes split off. And they were known as the nation of Israel. The southern ones are known as the nation of Judah. Judah. It didn't take long for the northern tribes to turn away from God and begin worshiping false idols and false gods. They became increasingly depraved. And and that's what we talk about, them living in darkness. It was was a spiritual darkness. They had turned their backs on God and they became increasingly depraved. Eventually made an alliance with Syria in order to attack Judah. So as you can imagine, the people in the south are afraid. Here's ten tribes that are united and desiring to defeat you, desiring to destroy you. And uh, Isaiah predicted the northern kingdom would be destroyed by the Syrians. Not surprisingly, this came to pass. The ten tribes were decimated and dispersed, and they became known as the ten lost tribes of Israel. The area to the north in Israel is filled with darkness, with distress, with despair, and so... While, what, while this is the history, it also describes the entire human race that is living in spiritual darkness this morning. When you watch the news, when you turn on uh, CNN or Fox News or ABC or any, whatever your favorite station is, you watch what's happening around our world, you see what's happening in our schools You see what's happening in in shopping malls in our cities. You see what's happening uh, over in the Middle East. And folks, sometimes it's easy to say, we know that happens in New York, that happens in L.A. No, folks, it's happening in Raleigh-Durham. It's happening in our hometown. And you wonder where all of this wickedness where does this mind, what would cause a 15-year-old to lose it and, and kill students in his school? What would cause parents to, to uh, aid and abet that, be a part of that process and allow it to go on under their own roof? You can imagine what's happening. There's a spiritual darkness that has is, is evaded our entire, uh, our entire world, and it's, it's a sinful nature. They became increasingly depraved and as the people in the south were afraid, God raised up the prophet Isaiah to give them hope in Isaiah chapter 7 and 8. And as Isaiah predicted, the northern kingdom would be uh, destroyed by the Syrians. And so it came to pass, and they became known as the ten lost tribes of, area, uh, of Israel. The, the area to the north of Israel was filled with darkness, and, and that's part of their history. It's part of their story. God created us, though, to have a real relationship with him. If you feel this morning this distance from God, it's because there's a darkness. Sin is separating us from a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And we, we've turned away from him. We've turned our, our backs on him, as they will say, and we'll read those verses here before too long. They begin to serve other gods, and it leaves us in despair and distress. We get a picture of the situation in Isaiah chapter 8, and we'll get to our text in just a moment. It says, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. You see, what happens is the word distress ultimately speaks of extreme affliction and discomfort and gloom as the ida of despair. They literally could not see past their certain circumstances that seem like We will never uh, overcome this. And folks, maybe you're living in that situation this morning. You're in darkness and maybe you're looking around at at the last year and a half, two years and thinking, how are we ever going to break out of a pandemic? How are we ever going to get back on the right footing? How are we ever going to find our way? And Isaiah is offering hope. The light of the world is Jesus. He comes to offer hope to to all of mankind. Zephaniah chapter 1 describes a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. So our main idea this morning as we look at Isaiah chapter 9 is Jesus lights the way for those living in darkness. And folks, we're going to see over the course of the next three Sundays how God offers us a right relationship. And not only does he bring light, he's offering us life. He's offering us eternal life. He's desiring to radically transform us this morning. So this morning our first point is Jesus moves us from gloom to gladness. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and we can't. all we can see is the despair of what's happening and how far uh, removed we are from where we would like to be and where we see ourselves in this life. So in the midst of the gloom and, and the grief, Isaiah announces a message of grace and glory. It says in verse 1, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he is made glorious the way of the sea. The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. This verse begins with the word but. Anytime you see the word but, it's referring back to something else. and It's referring back to the previous chapter in chapter 8. The phrase is brought into contempt has the idea of they were cursed. They were trivialized. They were were desperate in need of of a move of God. They're desperately in need of, of God to radically transform them. Zebulun and Naphtali are tribes to the north of Israel, making up the land of Galilee. And I've, I've traveled there a couple years ago and had the chance to see some beautiful areas, a very fertile area. There's a lot of beautiful crops there and things that are growing. But the ter- territory of Zebulun, not to be confused with Zebulun here in North Carolina in the Triangle, but Zebulun uh, in Israel is located near major tra- trade routes. And This uh, tribe fought valiantly and uh, various battles and, and the tribe of Naphtali experienced lots of struggles because of its proximity, proximity to Syria. The way of the sea refers to an international highway that runs from Mesopotamia to Egypt. So all of that history to say is they were living in a tumultuous time and it was, it was a place of, of great darkness. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali are called a humbled land. They experienced desolation destruction, darkness. And in the midst of this mess, Isaiah brings a message of future hope and healing. I love when you open the Word of God and it gives you hope that, you know what, we are not stuck in our trespasses and sins. And and Isaiah says we are all like sheep. We've gone away. We've turned everyone to his own way. Folks, Jesus Christ offers hope. He offers healing. Christmas was, and is, is birth of, out of great grief and deep darkness, while the angels are proclaiming peace on earth. And Herod was preparing to annihilate infants. While Mary was worshiping, other mothers are weeping for their lost children and, and, and for the, their young boys that were to be killed. Christmas joy is best understood when the junk of life is all around us. Gladness comes. When we're grieving. And I love the fact. The verse that says joy comes in the morning. But we might weep today. We might weep tonight. We might spend nights weeping over the the circumstances of our lives today. But Jesus Christ offers us hope. He offers us joy. And there's something to get up and live for. Jesus lights the way for those living in darkness. We see number two. We see Jesus moves us from darkness the light of life in verse 2 he says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown folks when we look at the word of God it gives clarity of of the purpose Jesus comes into a desperate situation and offers hope and light he offers the light of the world. And the idea between, behind walking in darkness is someone stumbling as they come and go. You ever try to navigate? Maybe you're staying in a, in a strange place at a hotel or you've got an Airbnb or something. And you're staying in a strange place and you've got to go to the bathroom. You that You wake up, it's like four in the morning, and you're not sure your surroundings. And, you know, or maybe your wife has rearranged the furniture on you. And you trip over the nightstand and fall down. I mean, it's like that darkness. And you're trying to figure out, you're, you're trying to touch, and, and our, the, the, the uh, footboard of our bed is just so, it hits me right in the middle of my kneecap. I've hit that more than a couple times, and, and there's a big old bruise there. And, but it's like that wandering in the darkness, trying to find your way. That's what the nation of Israel was like. The idea of walking in darkness, Proverbs 4.19 says, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what They stumble. Jeremiah chapter 23 says in verse 12, Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness, into which they shall be driven and fall, for I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. So while people are walking in the dark, all of a sudden the great light of the Savior, the light of the world, appears on the scene and brings light, brings hope, brings life to a dark place. Nazareth is where Jesus was born. And I love all of this in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See what happens is Christ came as that light and he's offering hope to the hopeless, to the desperate, to the desolate, to those that are living in despair. So When we come to the New Testament, Matthew is clearly uh, quoting and and talking about the words of Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 4, he says in verse 12, Now when he he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, and the uh, territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Jesus left Nazareth because he had no honor in his hometown. And in fact, they tried to kill him. So think about it. Nazareth is where Jesus was born. And it was located in Zebulun. Capernaum is where he based his earthly ministry out of, where he would travel back and forth to Capernaum. It's in the land of Naphtali. The fact that Jesus grew up in Nazareth and lived in Capernaum is a direct fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9. So when I told you to hang on, it's, the whole of the history is going to come back. All of this is a fulfillment in the New Testament of what Isaiah, the prophet, gives us in the Old Testament. Jesus, it, was, it wasn't an accident. It was clear from the phrase, he says, so that it can be translated for the purpose of, it would be spoken as the prophet Isaiah, it might be fulfilled. It's giving us clarity in the New Testament of what is being said here in Isaiah chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 15, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. That phrase, Galilee of the Gentiles, was looked down upon by Jews because... They were more well-educated than those, and they were looking at everybody else that wasn't exactly like them. The the Gentiles, they're kind of looking down their noses going, well, I'm telling you, those are just a bunch of heathen hicks. Those are just a bunch of southern rednecks, so to speak. And you ever have that feeling like someone's looking down on you, like they're just a little bit better than you? There's nothing like that condescending feeling, of feeling like you're inferior. And so they were looking down on them like... What could possibly good come from this region, from Nazareth? And that's why Nathaniel said, could anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, it, it, was a, it was a mindset of the people. To think that the Messiah would come from this region was beyond their comprehension. It blew their minds that he could possibly come from Nazareth. Actually, the Messiah had to come from this region in order to fulfill Scripture. Don't miss the significance of the Galilee of the Gentiles. God's heart is for the nations. Every tribe, tongue... People, Every nation, Jesus Christ came to save. It's easy to somehow get in our own little world in America where we have our certain little things are ordered perfectly for us, and we have the temperature at a perfect 69, 70 degrees. That's what our house is set on at home. You're probably, some of you are sitting here thinking it's absolutely freezing in this place. Uh, It's perfect. You can put on a sweater. I can only take off so much, but the reality at the end of the day, it's like we have have the perfect lighting. I mean, don't you love the the, the, the display on stage this morning, the, the screens, the sound system. You've got the ability to watch from your own home, and we have everything just perfect. But folks, Jesus didn't save us or didn't die just for those who are perfect or have it all together. He died for the sins of the entire world. And that means every single person. I love that, that Bethlehem is, is a place that, hey, this is not the place that they expected the Messiah to be born. Matthew chapter 4 says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. That's what Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 is saying. The people walked in darkness. In the past, they're dwelling in darkness, and yet Jesus offers the light of the world. The same thing can be said of each one of us. Sometimes we're walking in darkness, and we can choose that path, and we go down a dark road, and it leads us further and further away from God, and we get so involved in sin that it destroys us, it takes us away. But ultimately, Jesus Christ came as the light of the world. In Psalm one hundred seven, verse ten says, "Some sat in darkness, in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High." Darkness in the, throughout the Scripture is often the symbol of divine judgment. According to Exodus chapter ten, there were three days of darkness that were felt in Egypt before the first Passover lamb was slain. And before the first Passover lamb was slain, there was also three hours of darkness before the lamb of God died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. The ninth plague of darkness preceded the killing of the firstborn. And then deep darkness proclaimed the death of God's firstborn son. So listen to Mark chapter 15. He says, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So from noon until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the day that Jesus dies on the cross for our sins, it becomes pitch black over the area. It was as if God the Father places his hands over the sun and says, you're not going to see my son while he dies and becomes a substitute for our sin. As he pays the payment, he's not going to shine on the sun while he becomes a sin substitute. So at the birth of Jesus... A supernatural star appears in the sky and lights the way, and it would lead the magi all the way to the Christ child. And at his death, the supernatural darkness descended in the middle of the day. His birth announcement was a display of brightness at midnight, and the notification of his death was deep darkness at midday. It was like exact opposite of what you would expect. But folks, that's how God works. Few years ago, we were on a mission team in Nicaragua about three or four years ago, and the same formation of planets formed that bright star in the sky. And you, Beth, you were there, you remember it. We were sitting there, and that night we had devotions outside under a, a, a pavilion, and it was like the basketball pavilion, I believe it was. And we were sitting there at the edge, and we were staring at that very star in the sky, and it was absolutely breathtaking. We just stood there for a while. Beholding the majesty and glory that Jesus Christ, his birth was announced to the entire world by a bright light. Folks, that is the beauty of Christ coming to earth. He's offering us eternal life. Don't miss the good news. The region of Galilee that was plagued in darkness and death for so long was the first to receive the dawn of of new light, God said, "Let there be light," and the light of the world shone round about them. You say, Pastor, what is the what's the application today? How can I, what can I apply out of Isaiah chapter nine? Have you gone from walking in the dark to dwelling in the dark? Say, what do you mean? We're born in darkness, but folks, we make decisions every day. I'm either going to get up, and I'm gonna please God, or I'm gonna please self. I'm either going to follow God's plan and purpose for my life, or I'm going to choose my own course and and go my own way. Do you love living in the darkness? Or do you want to live in the light? Because he came to be the light of the world. In John chapter 3, verse 19, this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works or their deeds were evil. We make a decision, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, or I'm doing, I think I know better than God. I think I can figure this out better on my own. And it's not enough to just have light shine on us. Jesus calls us to repent from living in darkness, living in in sin, in order to receive the light of life. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 1 oh that you would rend the heavens and come down God has come down into our despair this morning and darkness he lights the way for those who are living in darkness this morning if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you're trying you're stumbling trying to find your way through the darkness Let me let you know, Jesus came to light your path. He came to offer that way back to God. And folks, it doesn't matter what we've done. He is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all of our sins. That's the beauty of a relationship with God. It's not based on your merit. It's not based on your value because folks at face value, we don't have anything to offer God. But folks, because he loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to bring us out of that darkness. He wants to move you this morning from gloom to gladness. He wants to transform the disparity of your life, the despair, the the, the trials, the, the struggles that we face in this life. And folks. All of us, including your pastor this morning, are have struggles. We have things that the devil is trying to get a foothold or a stronghold in our life, and we've got to constantly be putting that on, the sacrificing that on, and folks giving it to God, confessing our sin, and turning back, repenting and turning back to the Savior, choosing to walk in the light. He wants to move us from gloom to gladness. He also wants to move us from darkness to the light. Of life, This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the opportunity today is to allow the light of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to shine in your heart and your life. And folks, as we begin to look at the scriptures, and we'll look next week and the following week and, and the, the day after Christmas on the 26th, and how Jesus Christ ultimately laid down his life on the cross and offers us eternal life. He offers us a freedom from our sin. He wants to change us from that darkness to the light of life. So this morning, if you're stumbling around in the dark, are you tired of living in gloom? It's time to make Him room. You see, as Joseph and Mary would make their way to pay their taxes in their hometown, ultimately, we know the story, there was no room in the end. Folks, is there room in your heart for Jesus? Is there room for the relationship that Jesus is longing to have with you? John chapter 12, verse 46 I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. It's funny if you're tired of dwelling in darkness. It's time to repent, it's time to believe that Jesus died in your place and you receive him end your life and folks if you're ready to be transferred into the kingdom of from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light he will forgive you this morning and he will offer you eternal life heavenly father